everybody see how good this company was. But he says, no, I'm I'm waiting for the right moment. Then it will come to us uh, at the right moment how we express ourselves outside. So it's all about synchronicity, about feeling, about trusting the process. And I guess that is a characteristic of very successful leader of a healthy organization that you know the process, how it goes and where it is. Hey there, friends. Welcome to Happiness Squad. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your full potential by mastering the art and science of happiness. We bring on the best leading experts on these topics to help you unlock your true potential and live with more joy, health, love, and meaning in your life. Your host is no other than the star combo of Ashish Katari and Anil Ramjiani, who are both on a mission to provide you with an unfair advantage to be the masters of your experience and leaders in your industry. Get ready to be moved, challenged, and enlightened on this podcast. It may change your life. Thanks for being here and joining the squad. Hey, Happiness Squad. It's great to have you with Ashish and I as we continue to discuss with our guests who are industry leaders helping individuals and organizations unlock their inner happiness and flourishing. Have you ever thought of your organization as a living organism that stagnates when struck by acute or chronic ailments? This is when we look to leaders who can heal the organization. Our next guest explains how. Mareike Van Vorn is the author of Healing Organizations and a bridge builder between the visible and invisible worlds, focusing on energetic and systematic approaches to healing for individuals and organizations. With a background in sociology and change management, she's deeply interested in complex relationships and incongruence within organizations. With her broad awareness and clarity, over 20 years, she has helped leaders create harmonious and natural orders within stalled organizational processes. We discuss how healing leaders are grounded in their inner way of being. They are not looking to please. Rather, they love their people and are driven by humanity to do good. They are not driven out of fear, nor do they seek to control. Rather, they look to inspire with their team in order to unlock their flourishing and immunity. Stay tuned till the end as we discuss tips and practices that can unlock your organization's health and viability with what you have rather than what you lack. Please join Ashish and I as we welcome Mareike to the Happiness Squad and rewire for happiness together. Hey Ashish, hey Mareike, how are you both doing? Very good. Thank you, Anil. I'm doing amazing, my friend. It's nice to be back home after two weeks of travel, but it's, uh, it's wonderful. I was going to say, mate, has the jet lag affected you much? Are you getting good nights of rest and sleep? I don't think I got jet lagged on my travel. So I think I'm surprisingly in the right time zone. It's, I don't know how that happened, but somehow it did. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Awesome. No, I mean, I just think back to the chat we had on our last chat around uh, investing in your well-being and getting good nights of sleep, especially with all the travel you do, Ashish. So uh, one for our listeners to, to take a listen to. Well, Marike, we're really excited to have you on. Uh, you're local with me here in the Netherlands. We're enjoying some amazing weather. And, you know, with amazing weather, we notice everyone gets excited. Everyone feels happy. But today, Marike, we want to start our cast chatting with you about what does happiness mean to you and how has it changed from your younger years until now? 
Oh, that's a very uh, big question, and I could, could talk to you for hours about that. But um, I guess for me, it means that finding myself, remembering who I really are, and uh, re-embodying my true self has made me more happy than before. I, I had a very happy childhood because I was unaware of what was going on in my life. But then from 27 years old, I guess, I started bouncing into doors and uh, people, uh, you know, uh, life became uh, more difficult. And there started my my journey, my inner journey uh, to finding myself. And now I'm 53 years old since a few weeks. <laughs> uh, I, I can really uh, say that I have found myself and that makes me really happy and uh, very grounded, but also very aligned with, with source. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, uh, the, the, the answer to this question. So Mariki, you mentioned, right, having a very happy childhood, you know, mm-hmm. at 27, recognizing this notion of doors, right, that you're bouncing into yeah, obstacles. Yeah, bouncing into like, yeah, yeah, obstacles, yes, yeah. So talk to our listeners a little bit about what were those couple of transformative experiences or events mm-hmm. that allowed you to kind of wake up and discover your true self and really create joy from within? Um, when I was 27, I had my first job. And uh, within a few months, uh, I, I got a burnout. So I couldn't uh, come out of bed anymore because, yeah, I was walking on my toes, tiptoeing around my job, uh, trying to do uh, the best I could, like the, the examples I had from my colleagues. But it didn't feel right for myself. So I was totally burned out at that moment. And then I came home for half a year. And then in that time, I started uh, a course in uh, feeling intuitive development or intuitive coaching. And also reading a book about books about philosophy, religious books, psychology, uh, philosophy, everything. And then... All of a sudden, in that half a year, I th- I thought, oh, but everybody has to find it within themselves. I was always contributing the, uh, how it went with me without uh, outside of myself. And then from that moment on, I started finding the answers in myself. But uh, I was very young at that time and, and still very unaware. And after, I guess, five times, six times, Having a difficult time at uh, jobs in my life, I started my uh, inner search with systemic work at uh, 39, and then everything broke open. The, the first time I was encountered with my true self, because some some rep- representative in a constellation uh, showed me who I really was, uh, I started crying and I was just overwhelmed by by what I saw and it was so much uh, uh, so far away from who, uh, who I thought I was that I was inspired to do a course in systemic work family constellation but uh, immediately also organizational constellations that was when I was 40 it was in 2010 and from that moment on it went very quick because if you work with constellation work like, like I do for 13 years already, every day you get to en- encounter yourself, but also the other one. And 
if you see the the dynamics between you and your clients, with you and your customers, then you see the evolvement of yourself, but also of the others, and it goes in a syn- synchronistic way. So at this moment, I can say that I'm I'm a daily daily looking in the mirror, uh, feeling where I am, uh, being self aware, sometimes with a dark night of the soul uh once and again <laughs> once and again uh but um yeah that that's the process that i'm in so mariki that's wonderful so tell us a little bit so many of many of our listeners might not be familiar with what is constellation work uh-huh. okay. so in proper like you know simple easy to understand language could you explain what is constellation work and how it it actually helped you discover your true self and just point like specifics. I thought I was this. After this work, I realized I was this. But And this was the work that enabled it, right? Just in, a, in very simple English. Okay, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> um, the first time that I, I was uh, doing it uh, as a client, it was 20, 2009, I was in a repetitive pattern of uh, relationships that were not working out. So I thought, I, I asked the question, what is going on? And then I saw the pattern within the my father's line because representatives, just people you don't know, they are representatives for the family members in your system. And then they showed me uh, because they can tap into the energy field of, that, uh, of my family. Uh, then I saw what was really going on with my father, with my grandmother, my grandfather, they had a bad marriage. So there was something going on, but it was a long list of long line of people not really being able to have a healthy relationship. So if you can, if you are aware of that pattern, then you can change it. But also systemic work works not only in your in your consciousness, but also in the energy field. So the energy is also shifting. And in that constellation, I saw three representatives of me. One was my soul, one was my child, and one was my current person. And and especially the the inner child, the rep- representative of the inner child was, yeah, it, it made me really soft inside because it was such a, a sweet, a soft energy. And by that time, when I was 39, it was more, not that I was a boy, but I was really, I had a, a lot of male energies, like uh, going forward, uh, uh, you know, maybe you can help me with the words, but, you know, I, I was... A driving energy. What? A driving, getting things done, right? It's it's through energy. Yeah, it's very male energy. And, um, but now I'm, I'm totally different. I'm, 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 I'm I'm the same person, but I'm I'm more myself. I'm I balanced the, the the male and female qualities within me. So is that maybe uh, clear enough to? Yeah. So I think this notion that you know we always have we talk about we've talked about this in, in a couple of other episodes that we've had on awareness, right? This notion that we all have it's not about male and female as you know. We normally talk about it in terms of, you know, are we, a, are we a man or a woman? But it's really we all can carry two different types of energies, right? There is masculine energy, which is kind of a driving, a physical orientation energy, 
was really important over the last 10, 15,000 years as the work was very physical, it needed things done outside. But all of us, men and women, also have the second kind of energy, which is more of a feminine energy, which is more of a nurturing, which is more of a loving, which is more of something that sees the connections and brings us together. And that's, you know, a really important element. Now, feminine energies tend to be more in women than men. But there are also a lot of men who have a lot of feminine energy. And it's important that it's not one that is more important than the other. But Mariki, where you went and where you went with is, but this notion of balancing. So recognizing which one is present and how do we definitely leverage that as a strength, but more importantly, also work on cultivating the second energy to allow us to be balanced. In fact, in many of the Indian mythologies, the perfect human is depicted as a half woman and a half man. So perfectly balanced because that allows us by choice to leverage what the situation demands, interact with that energy and bring that into the, into the bay. Yeah, yeah. So really, really powerful. Anil, I'll have you take the next question around the healing leadership book that uh, Mariki so beautifully uh, shared with us. No, you're right. And I think, you know, on the back of this, just want to reference one of our earlier episodes, Ashish, because when you refer to self-awareness being at the center of the nine hardwired for happiness practices, it's really important for our listeners to have a, have a take a look because, you know, the whole... The OAR, right? The observer, the action and the result, the observer being someone who's giving themselves space by looking at their body, their emotion, their language. I think, again, it fits in really well to how you're able to balance, give yourself space and balance those energies, that masculine and feminine. And I think, you know, on the back of that, Marike, this amazing experience that you had, uh, as Ashish alluded to, has given you the opportunity to write your first book, um, Healing Organizations. And I, I just, you know, the premise of it for our listeners who've, who've not heard of it, not read it, it's all about how organizations are like living organisms and that they stagnate when they're struck by an acute or chronic ailment. And so, Marike, you know, by writing this and sharing this insight with your readers, what is the approach that you've taken in working with companies or leaders to become aware of these ailments? I started working as a, as a self-employed um uh, professional in 2011, uh, right after I uh, finished that course in systemic work in organizations. And subconsciously, I got clients like managers, directors, um, HR managers that had problems in their organization with stagnant uh, co-creation, with difficult uh, manifestation of results, etc., so I was advertising what I could work, do for them and they came to me. So I was always working with organizations that were struggling, teams that were struggling. And then I started doing some projects with them and asked them about all kinds of questions uh, about the past, about the current situation, about uh, maybe traumatic events uh, in the organization or in the team that that was uh, available. And I started talking to everybody in the 
teams. So I got a lot of information. And then after that, I was uh, having a constellation with the team uh, with representatives again, but external representatives. So they were people who really wanted to be a representative in a constellation, but didn't know anything about the organization, didn't know anything about the traumatic events or whatever. They were just totally blind and they were in the organization doing the constellation like I was having uh, in my family constellation, what I uh, told you before. And then all the information in the undercurrent, in the subconscious uh, world came to the surface. And if something is coming to the surface, then it comes becomes clear to me, but also to the client, of course, so like the director or the team. or So if you discuss afterwards what, what was really happening, what was going on, then, um, and you do it 200 times or 500 times, then all of a sudden there becomes patterns. You see patterns. And, and I recognized a lot of patterns. Uh, and I was blogging for ages. I, I really like to write since I was a student. I did sociology in Groningen in, uh, in the Netherlands. And I was uh, uh, an editor in the, in the magazine of the uh, faculty already. But I did it also from the time that I was working for myself. So I had a lot of content. I guess it was 2018. And I, I thought I have to do something with that content because I have so much knowledge about patterns uh, at the moment and then my uh, neighbor uh, she has the same name as me Marika as well um, she said why don't you go interview those um, those clients that from five years ago from 10 years ago uh, or from from yesterday what the effect is of your systemic work so I started doing um, a few interviews and I guess with the first or maybe the second interview, I thought, oh, this is going, going to be a book because it was so uh, profound, the, the effect of the systemic work in their personal life, but also in the, in the dynamics in the organization. They, because when you become aware of what is going on in, in, in the team, then, then you can change it. If you're not aware, if you're still blind for the system, for the structures for the for maybe the the narcissistic or the codependent uh, dynamics in organization if you don't know then you keep going uh, fixing symptoms instead of uh, going to the root cause so um, maybe I, I did it for 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 400 500 times uh, working with teams uh, and find all those um, uh, patterns and then I wrote a book and that cost me uh, more than three years to really sit down and write it all down and last year January it, uh, the book was published and uh, because I really love writing I was already writing my second book when it was published and now I did 35 interviews with healing leaders in healthcare and welfare in the Netherlands and in Belgium and in a few months in November 2020 23, uh, my second book will see the daylight because uh, now I'm interviewing uh, healing leaders that that work with their inner wisdom from within. That's not because I, I, I said that, because they are really wise and living the universal patterns, the healthy patterns. 
So um, maybe I'm maybe elaborating my in, into my my answer, but um, I'm very enthusiastic about what I'm doing. Are you enjoying the show so far? Let me ask you a few questions before going back. Have you ever wondered why so many of us struggle with stress, anxiety, and burnout and feel stuck in life? Heck, maybe you're going through this right now. Well, the reason for this lies in the evolutionary biology of our brains, which are hardwired for fear. It's part of the reason why our team named this podcast Happiness Squad. It serves as a reminder that happiness is what really matters and that we are in this together. And that is why we are so excited to share with you a resource to help you on your journey. One of our hosts, Ashish Gatari, launched a book, Hardwired for Happiness, and it is a number one Amazon bestseller. When you get access to this book, you will discover nine secular practices that can change your life and are backed by scientific evidence from psychology and neuroscience. Learn how you can integrate hardwired for happiness practices in every part of your life to unlock your best self regardless of how busy you are. Shift from knowing to doing to being with a range of journaling, meditation, and group coaching exercises and so much more. Go to www.happinesssquad.com forward slash book to get access right now. We also have bonuses on the page that you don't want to miss. Once again, www.happinesssquad.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. So Mariki, tell me a little bit about what have you found in your research on the qualities of healing leaders and, you know, the patterns, as you describe, in which they actually engage with organizations and individuals. Yeah, now you see, you see two different kinds of healing leaders. You have the healing leaders that have uh, uh, that came to the world and were very welcomed by their families. They were loved by their families. They were, had uh, um, values that were... Uh, and boundaries and just good a good start in life and they are uh, also very intelligent uh, every every healing leader is very intelligent they, they have a very broad view but there are also healing leaders that really needed all these uh, struggles in life to become aware of all the toxic uh, energies that are also in our companies and in our societies so so they, we have those two. Uh, so these are two um, characteristics. And what brings them together is that they are very aware of their loving people. They, they, they really love society. They really love people. And uh, maybe they have their MBAs and their financial education or whatever, but they are driven by humanity and driven by doing good for the greater whole. And yeah, and they are very strong and they can be vulnerable as well. And um, there are a lot of characteristics uh, more, but uh, in the end, it, they've, they have found their, their inner God. Maybe that's what I was um, finding out at 27, that everybody is their inner God and that there's, they have found it too, and they they live by it. They live by example. They live by their principles, by their values. And uh, normally they don't want to be um, on a podium, but they are being uh, uh, the holding space for their organization. Is it clear what I'm 
Yeah. So just to summarize, right? So the quality of quality of healing leaders that you're articulating, mm-hmm. I think number one is really grounded mm-hmm. and aware of who they are, right? So it's yeah. a, it's it's grounded in their inner way of being. Yes. Uh, not trying to please and comply with an external kind of view, but truly mm-hmm. grounded in who they are. I think second yes. is you highlighted this notion of truly seeing the place from a place of love and healing mm-hmm. and with a deep care for humanity and for others who they lead. Yeah. Versus oftentimes where you would see we are driven out of fear versus love. We are driven to control versus inspire. And we are driven towards not necessarily, you know, oftentimes you notice this pattern of like, we are so driven by financial results because we are afraid that if we don't meet them, we are not going to be in a role. We're not going to be as a leader in a job. So it's not that we don't care about humanity, but we might be overdriven by that. Again, that male energy of driving and achieving towards a financial metric that we are held to, that we often might not pay enough attention to the people element of how people are feeling. Are they growing? In effect, are we working with them or are we working through them? You know, are we working kind of and burning people out or are we kind of inspiring them to kind of collectively rise to the challenge? Yeah. You know, I, as I listen to you, Ashi, say that, I think about, I think that's the challenge with leaders. We've had conversations in the past about how there are leaders in organizations who get to a certain level and don't request the feedback in order to become aware of some of these shortcomings, how they are leading, not, you know, they're leading through and not with. And I find what you mentioned about, and we had this conversation with Blake Bauer um, in in a previous episode where if you are looking to please and you're not grounded in yourself, you're not going to give yourself the love and therefore you're not going to be in the position to give your team love. And I find that, you know, it goes back to that selfishness aspects, right? So if you have a leader who's selfish and looking after their own agenda and their own neck and making sure that they're able to stay in control and stay in position, you're not going to find that healing leader, Marika, that you're kind of calling out, that Mm -hmm. you're saying in your book that they're really the ones that are meant to unlock flourishing and immunity within their teams. And I think, you know, Marika, just as we look at, you know, that, that type of healing leader, can you just maybe share, you know, what is the meaning then for you uh, of how a healing leader can truly step up and be successful in unlocking flourishing from your experience? There's a lot I can say about it, but this morning I had a, a really nice conversation with a director of a healthcare insurance company, and he's very successful. But the only thing he's doing is, I'm not doing anything, he said. I'm only there, I'm being being myself and I'm listening and listening and seeing. And with that, he's acting on it. So he's bringing people together by just being. And yesterday I talked to another director of a housing company and he he was also just an elder, just not doing uh, a lot of things. Um, this community... Uh, um, communication advisor was there as well and he wanted this director to go outside and just let everybody see how good this company was but he says no i'm i'm waiting for the right moment then it will come to us and at the right moment what how we express ourselves 
outside. So it's all about synchronicity, about feeling, about trusting the process. And I guess that is a characteristic of a very successful leader of a healthy organization that you know the process, how it goes and where it where it is. Is it in the denial phase? Is it in the anger phase? Is it in the deep listening phase? Or is it just evolving? Um, so I guess that's that's my answer to that. And you really need to know from within, where are we? What, what is going on here? Is this trauma? Is this happiness? Is this whatever uh, phase you can have in transformation? Uh, but you really need to see and listen. And um, yeah. That resonates a lot, uh, Mariki, because, you know, we have been covering this. This is our motto, uh, one of our mottos at Happiness Court. And my invitation to clients, which is, uh, you know, how do you achieve more? Not necessarily by doing more, but by being more, right? And that's what you're articulating is if we want to actually truly you know, heal, nourish, nurture, and create conditions for flourishing. It is not about doing. All of these leaders who you have, uh, you know, you who are healing leaders are starting with cultivating a particular state of being that yeah. is allowing change to happen, right? That is kind of igniting. So it's it's a very different way of igniting change. And the way we cultivate that sense of being one is just truly grounded, right? Truly being grounded. So we are not showing up stressed and in the control of our sympathetic, but really bringing that calming energy. I think the second holding thing you highlighted, exactly, hold the space, right? Yeah, hold the truly space. Truly hold the space. And secondly, be from the that elder, place, like, like uh, the grandmother or the grandfather for the family uh, to, to evolve. Exactly really being able to hold the space. And then from that place, listen, truly deeply listen and sense into where we are and what needs to emerge. Not necessarily move to take action and fix, but actually allow things to emerge through nudges, right? And then you also mentioned one of the most powerful ways in which we can allow that is to create space to one, give space for emotions to rise so they can actually pass through because like everything else, thoughts, emotions are temporary, but when we don't create space for them to flow, they get stuck. And that stuckness is what creates, you know, long-term kind of, uh, you know, trauma, stress, patterns, if you will. But if we can actually allow energy to flow, and that's what you're highlighting is in your work that you're finding is, it all starts. If we want to change the system, we have to actually start by changing ourselves. If we want to heal the system, we have to heal ourselves. Yeah, that's healing leader. Yeah, then, then you are a healing leader. First, heal your self-healing ability, and then you can give back to the others. Yeah, create the conditions for others to do the same, right? Really, it's about that. It's about creating that that systemic mm. work. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So Mariki, yeah. as we bring this to a, uh, to a close, like uh, I 
have loved this conversation. I want to take us to uh, the practices around healing, around being at our best, unlocking our full potential. You know, you and I bonded over the Hardwired for Happiness book, the nine practices that I mentioned and how it resonated with you, um, and also had lots of overlaps with your work. So I'm just curious, share with our listeners, what are those two to three hardwired for happiness practices that you, that are your go-to, that are your favorite, that allow you, and then that have helped you in your journey to where you are now? That must be um, gratitude. I'm really grateful every day for everything that's happening to me. And that can be the the great uh, encounters with people like you or with those people I have interviewed uh, in the last weeks or... Uh, but also the painful aspects of life. Every time that I, I really, I'm, I'm angry, not that much, but, or uh, sad, also not that much. But whenever that happens, I really feel grateful because I know I'm, I'm, I'm going through a phase or something, through something that needs to clear up. So that's a way of life. Uh, so gratitude will be uh, my favorite one. And the other ones I don't have uh, in my head at the moment, but maybe you can help me a little bit. But, no, uh, but gratitude is a beautiful one, Mariki. Like, I think it's the one that, you know, always is front and center that matters the most. Because when we are grateful, for those listeners, I would invite you to go check out our episode on gratitude. It is one of the most powerful practices. It's one of the practices with the highest return, if you will, on investment that has the ability to truly rewire our brains, truly shift how we experience the world, not because the world changes, but we bring and overcome a core attribute of our brain, which is the negative bias. We overcome that and build the capacity to notice all the positives that are in our life. And it's that act that actually shifts our experience. and Mariki, this beautiful and what you said, even in suffering, even when we are actually experiencing anger or anxiety or fear or one of those emotions, we can still rather than numb it or shun it away as if it's a bad thing, be grateful for that because there is something emerging. There's something, there's a learning there that we can kind of tune into. So, so no, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for me, it's it's very important to give uh, a meaning to things that happen to me and why it's happening in in the the mission that I have. So I can also read my own energy field and what's happening uh, on a greater level. So that's why I'm so grateful for being able to live this uh, life in this way. You know, I love that gratitude. I think Ashish, if we ever polled people of the nine practices, which is their favorite, I, I'm going to make a, a that gratitude is always going to be at the top. And you know, I, I do want to go back to self awareness for a moment as we wrap up. You know, my invitation to our listeners. You know, if you're a leader or an aspiring leader, I think it's beautiful to be a healing leader. To be a healing leader, it's a matter of giving space. And you know, I've been in a, a recent. Uh, example from, from where I work, where I witnessed a leader in one moment, give space to his team and allow the team to thrive. And I saw it. And I saw the same leader in a moment, not give that space and saw his team look to survive. And we all want to thrive. We need to find a way. And so it's an opportunity for all of us to 
observe your peers, observe your leaders. And what do you see? What qualities do you see? Do you see them pleasing? Do you see them loving? Do you see them leading? How, what do you see? What do you learn as you observe what they're doing? And then observe yourself. What do you see in yourself that gives you an opportunity to develop those qualities or nurture those qualities that can enable you to be a leader that heals, a leader that unlocks flourishing within their teams? And so Mareke, one of our favorite questions, again, as we wrap up, it's about the present. And we would love for you to share with our listeners one or two, maybe even three tips that today they can almost start using and practice to unlock flourishing either in others around them or within themselves. That would be, be grateful for what's happening to your life. Maybe that's a bit boring, but um, try to look uh, at the meaning of uh, happenings in your life and things will change. And um, maybe search for a coach that can dig deeper into the uh, subconsciousness of your family system, of the organizational system. That's when you understand what's happening, then you can get a grip on it. Uh, not that it becomes nicer or easier, but you can understand it. And if you understand who you are and what's happening to you, that that gives you so much happiness. I've I've seen it with myself, but also with all my clients that they uh, they walk away much lighter. Uh, and before they had years and years of suffering or heavy stuff, but then they can break out of it. So it's very important to to understand what's happening, why it's happening, why you, and what does it say about your mission in life? Because if you make it something that's about suffering, then you will not be happy. But if you can make it uh, about um, your mission, uh, something you have to go through, then you can make that bridge for all the other people that are suffering in the same way or searching in the same way. So you can be a forerunner, a pioneer in, in this uh, development and evolvement of mankind, humanity. So that's would be my tip, tips. <laughs> Love it. No, thank you, Marike. We really appreciate that. Well, you know, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. Um, looking forward to your next book, which you mentioned is launching on 23-11-23 this year. So everyone keep an eye out for that. And we look forward to having you back, Marike, to talk more about uh, healing organizations, healing leadership, and your upcoming book. So from my side, I'd like to say thank you, Marike. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I have one thing. Uh, I shared with you my ebook. It's it's for free, and you can download it on my website. So that's uh, maybe something nice for uh, for the the audience. Uh, and it's 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 in English. So, well, that is very great, very gracious, very grateful. We will for sure include that, Mariki, and thank you. It was such a pleasure to have you. Yes, yes, it's such a pleasure to see you again, uh, Ashish, and I will come to. Uh, Amsterdam, uh, Anil, uh, very soon <laughs> to see you in person as well. You. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, hey, take care. Big hugs and lots of love. Thank you both. Yes. Thank bye, you. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Happiness Squad podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you listen to us on. 
If this episode made you think of someone, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Go to www.happinesssquad.com where you can catch the show notes for this episode and learn more about us and the community we are building. The community is where we gather weekly to practice and connect with other learners, teachers, and practitioners working together to unlock our best selves. Lastly, follow along on Instagram at My Happiness Squad for tons of behind the scenes as well as short videos designed just for you. It's where we hang out in between episodes. Once again, www.happinessquad.com. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.